A staple Central PA racetrack is possibly eliminating the flagman for 2024, and as you can imagine, the reactions are very reasonable. We'll dive into that today and much more. Let's go. It's Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Already this morning, we've had some dirt racing go down with Western Australia Speed Week continuing at the Perth Motorplex. Callum Williamson picked up the sprint car victory over Brad Sweet and Dane Kingshot. Williamson clearly not interested in backing down from his U.S. foes as uh, he mixed it up with Sweet and Rico Abreu just a few nights ago as well. Brock Zierfoss, Rico, Corey Eliasson all finished fourth through sixth this morning. And just 24 hours ago, it was Rico picking up the win at Bunbury over Luke Oldfield and Eliasson. Uh, Callum Williamson ended up fourth in that one. Coming up later this week, things get busy at Toowoomba with Sheldon Huddenshield, Carson Macedo, Aaron Reitzel, and Chase Randall coming in to challenge the locals for three straight nights. That one's not part of Western Australia Speed Week, but Western Australia Speed Week does continue over the weekend as well uh, back at Bunbury. So a few more dates uh, to come here uh, as we kind of work through January. Very busy January uh, down under for sprint cars in Australia. Uh, the main topic I wanted to dive into today is a situation that appears to be developing around one specific racetrack in central Pennsylvania. There hasn't been anything official release, but a lot of signs and chatter point towards Lincoln Speedway eliminating the flagger position for the 2024 season. What's supposedly being implemented is the, re uh, the removal of the flagger from the stand, and instead a screen will be installed, screen system and lights uh, that will be controlled by the officials in the tower. I've seen a tweet about it from local sprint car driver Brett Rose and a Facebook post about it from sprint car, uh, car owner Ron Rutherford. Responses to those posts from people like Jeremy Elliott and Mike Hess make me believe and feel like there's probably some credence to this chatter regardless of there not being any public acknowledgement about it from the racetrack. In his tweet, Rose called it, quote, lunacy, and uh, Rutherford questioned how safe it could be and referred to it as, quote, ridiculous. As you might expect, comments and replies to the posts are a bit all over the place, which is not uncommon when it comes to things changing in a fundamental way, and also when that change includes technology. I have seen some people like, this isn't that big of a deal, but there's a lot of people that are kind of freaking out about this. They're wondering what happens when the technology fails or the screen is covered in dirt, but I would imagine that won't be that different to when a flagman throws an inadvertent yellow or his radio battery dies or drivers just flat don't look at him anyway. Back before receivers and serious radio communication, the flagger was effectively the race director. But that hasn't been the case for a very long time. In motorsports all across the world, technology has moved control of the race from the flag stand to more centralized places like the tower or a control center. For example, NASCAR officiates pit road uh, for cup races, uh, Xfinity races, via cameras and a computer system that spots violations and then alerts officials that did remove dozens of officials from pit road and kind of being in danger. And the nerve center for all of that pit road officiating isn't even at the racetrack anymore. It was initially in a trailer, but that's now since been removed. In sports car racing, they use onboard screens for flagging, showing greens and cautions right in the driver's face. And Formula One uses a screen system that they place all around the racetracks to show drivers current conditions. It can show cautions, it can show green flag, it can show rain. So why wouldn't this work in dirt racing? Well, you know what? It actually appears to be working in dirt racing. If you want an example, look no further than the Perth Motorplex in Australia, which at the moment is hosting some of the best sprint car drivers in the world. Guess what? No flagger in the stand there. 
they've got a screen at the flag stand that shows the current condition, and that screen is controlled by the folks in the tower. They have an interface with a button for each flag, and when they need to black flag somebody, they can also put the car number in and show that on the screen as well. So far, according to official at the Speedway, the only complaints from, uh, about the system have come from people sitting in the grandstands. Talking to a few friends here on the officiating side, they are all for more centralized race control. And beyond things like screens, there are onboard systems available already from companies like Raceiver. I've even heard the outlaws have tested such a setup. I know change and progress can be difficult, but I don't think this is nearly as big a, uh, a deal as some are pushing it to be. Flagging with a human isn't perfect, and neither will doing it with technology. But at least with technology, it removes a human from a danger zone and puts control of flagging squarely in the hands of the race director. Something happens, he hits a button, and is immediately in the driver's ears about it. Doesn't get really much simpler than that. I have reached out to someone at Lincoln about the situation. If I hear anything back from them, I'll keep you updated on what their comments are about the situation. All right, moving on. In some racetrack news, the future is looking at least a little bit brighter for the Orange County Fair Speedway in New York. It initially looked like maybe the facility was set to close following last year, but at least some semblance of a schedule is in the works. Thanks to a social post in recent days, we know the track plans on holding some special events in 2024. They're going to host stock cars and they're going to end the season with the Eastern States 200. And that's going to take place October 25th through the 27th. Sounds like there are still a lot of details to work out here, including what the full slate of races will look like. But at least for now, losing another racetrack has been averted in this case. If you want to keep up with the Orange County Fair Speedway, it looks like the best place to do that right now is the track's Facebook page. Also, over with XR, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about their 100,000 to win modified race uh, at the Mississippi Thunder Speedway. They're going to host that here in 2024. They'll have nearly 300 cars for that event. The group owned by Barry Braun will also host a 100,000 to win stock car show at 300 Raceway in August. That event has also sold out of entries uh, at uh, 300 cars. And they've also tacked on a 100,000 to win 604 late model race. That's going to take place at Golden Isles in December. That one sold out of 250 entries in just 20 hours. If you want details on all of these events from XR, go find them on Facebook as it looks like the XR website is currently down at the moment, as is the website for the XR Super Series Late Model Tour. Uh, Before we close out today, hat tip to the 2024 Sprint Car Hall of Fame class. Uh, That was announced a few weeks back. I wanted to double back and, uh, you know, just talk about it. The group includes drivers Tracy Hines, Paul McMahon, and John Stanborough, plus Gary Turrell and Ricky Warner, all very deserving of the honor to be inducted into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame. As for the Hall of Fame's yearly awards, I did get to vote for the winged 410 portion, and my voting was pretty much right in line with most of the winners. I had David uh, David Gravel as driver of the year. Brad Sweet ended up winning that award. I also voted for Sharp Advantage of, uh, as manufacturer of the year, Rico Abreu Racing as team of the year, Corey Day as wildcard, and Kevin Rudin as outstanding contribution to sprint car racing. Those were all winners in those categories. I did also vote for Bryce Lucius for Rookie of the Year, but that was just because I couldn't vote for Chase Randall. Not sure how he got left off the ballot. And same with Media Member. I voted for TJ Buffenbarger because Jeremy Elliott wasn't on the ballot. I would like to see some clarity on the prereqs for that specific award in in terms of the Media Members. I don't necessarily have a problem with PR people or streaming services winning that award. I just think there are some others out there that are doing good work that should be recognized for that work. Uh, I also voted for Todd Quaring as a promoter of the year. Uh, Eldora and Jerry Gappins got that award. I don't know who the full list of voters is for these, uh, but since I got to in, uh, invited to participate, I figured the transparency, at least from me, could be interesting for you guys and at least talk you through my thought process. All right, that's it for the show today. If you don't already, make sure to follow Dirt Tracker across the social media platforms. 
You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Threads. So uh, a couple more places for you guys to keep up with everything that's happening in dirt racing. Hope you guys have a great Tuesday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.